This is your Monday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Lots to get to today. So many different things. I want to get to maybe a rundown of what Twins players have a chance to make it in 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 my estimation. You know, what as they pivot, obviously, you know, recently with the trade deadline and with the way the season's gone, as they pivot to kind of a maybe a rebuild is, is probably not their, their preferred term, as they pivot to a different way of trying to evaluate how this season's going to go. What of these what of these players they're bringing up? Who in the minor league system has a chance to really help them as the season goes along? Got to get to another concerning Josh Donaldson injury. He came back for a little bit, but now he's back out again with that hamstring. Might have to be on the injured list. A little worried about Justin Jefferson. We haven't talked about that on this show either. Had the shoulder injury. Sounds like maybe it's not too serious, but it's just another one of those things that's creeping up in in this season. <laughs> Want to talk a little bit about the Vikings kicking situation um, and whether or not they're going to have a rookie kicker on this roster and what that might mean. Mark Craig had a good story about that in uh, in Monday's newspaper. And so plenty to get to with that. But first, what did I miss? Olympics are done, but hardly forgotten in Minnesota. Uh, it really, you know... It, the nature of the Olympics is they're so spread out. Things happen over, you know, days, weeks. It feels like it's been this kind of steady stream of amazing news for Minnesota athletes in these games. It's just undeniable with so many medals earned. But it was really brought home in, in a couple of different ways uh, over the weekend. One, you know, obviously because it's done, seeing the different lists of all the different, you know, medal winners and stuff like that. For Minnesota, the list is incredible it's, it's like a winter olympics almost um you know so many different headliners and the star tribune published a list of all of them and just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go athlete by athlete because you know it, it that that's how you know that's how powerful it was when i saw it uh, on on the you know in the star tribune and, and whatnot so it starts with suni lee she won three medals including of course the gold in the individual all-around um, gymnast from St. Paul, and she had her parade in St. Paul on Sunday, kind of capping that amazing run she's been on. She's back home now, and uh, very excited to see what happens next for SUNY Lee. But, you know, gold medal in the all-around, silver medal in the team all-around, and then the bronze and the uneven bars. Three medals in uh, in one Olympics. Just amazing for her. Gable Stevenson, 125-kilogram freestyle gold medal. That amazing, you know, last-second comeback win a few days ago, and he capped back to the airport in Minneapolis late, late Sunday. Tons of fans cheering him on. The Star Tribune was there to capture that as well. Um, but you know, just amazing performance by him to capture that gold medal. You had Bo Becker, another Minnesotan, three-time Big Ten champion. Um, he won a. He was a member of the gold medal-winning four by one hundred meter freestyle relay. Just uh, you know, unbelievable performance there. You had two Lynx players, Sylvia Fowles and Nafisa Collier, helping Team USA win the gold medal. Cheryl Reeve also was an assistant coach on that team. Jordan Thompson from Edina won a gold medal in volleyball, women's volleyball. Um, a big win for the, for Team USA, and they ended up winning the gold with a straight set win over Brazil. That was not too long ago as well. Grace McCallum, not to be forgotten for sure. Um, the you know another gymnast for Team USA won the silver in the all around. Uh, you know big big performance by her stepping up. You know stepping up when um, you know when uh, when Simone Biles went out. 
And finally, Reagan Smith, of course, three medals, two silver and a bronze. Um, you know, several different events, including the 200 butterfly, where she took home the silver. She was part of a, a individual, sorry, part of a relay uh, that was that took the, uh, the the silver and also won a bronze in the hundred meter backstroke. Just unbelievable run in the Olympics for these Minnesota athletes. These you know, very strange games. Let's remember these guys had to you know, train another year, essentially come through a lot of different mental hurdles, a lot of different physical challenges of keeping your body primed and in good shape and ready to perform your mind in the same condition, you know, with an Olympics that was put off for a year and and still was very strange in the midst of a surge in COVID in Tokyo. So just, I don't have much more to say than amazing work. It was just an amazing Olympics to watch when we could. It, it was strange in a way, just, of course, because of the lack of spectators, because of the conditions they were they were under. But for Minnesota athletes, it was unforgettable in so many different positive ways. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. I want to get now to a really good story in the Star Tribune, startribune.com by Mark Craig on the Vikings kicking situation, because that probably isn't getting enough uh, enough publicity this year with everything that's gone on, especially in the last couple weeks with, you know, the, the vaccine stuff, with, you know, Vikings players not having a high vaccination rate, with the quarterbacks missing a lot of time. We've seen Justin Jefferson, that's, that's been a problem with the, with the shoulder injury lately. Um, another one of those things, by the way, that's making me think, uh-oh, this season could be a uh, could be a little bit more tumultuous than, uh, than we thought. When things start adding up, um and you know, Patrick Royce and I talked about this last week I think when things start adding up for a team and you're trying to ignore them you're like yeah okay yeah but they still have this they'll ha- they still have that the more of those things that keep happening those weird little injuries those weird little kind of you know whether it's your offensive line coach basically stepping aside and becoming an advisor because he doesn't want to get the vaccine whether it's you know just weird little injuries on the offensive line where you're not seeing the five you want to see your rookie's not being able to to get out there now the shoulder injury for Justin Jefferson which doesn't sound too serious thankfully good for him good for the Vikings good for Vikings fans um when those things start to add up uh, my 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 kind of signal goes off in my head like yeah this, this could be a, a year a year that they don't they don't want now defense has largely been spared a lot of that I joked on Twitter the other day the Vikings have to win a lot of games six to three this season um somebody came back and said uh, you think they can make two field goals, which was a good comeback. I I, I joked that uh, it was going to be three safeties, and someone else pitched in and said, no, they scored a touchdown, probably a defensive touchdown, um, and uh, they missed the extra point. But uh, Vikings kicking has been a a roller coaster. That's the polite word for it over the years. Um, and this year, they are entrusting, uh, at least so far, the competition to Riley Patterson, and Greg Joseph, uh, someone who hasn't kicked in the league since 2019, has only played in 16 career NFL games. Two very inexperienced kickers, um, and Riley Patterson, obviously the uh, the least experienced undrafted rookie 
getting his chance now after starting the year uh, injured. So Mark Craig wrote about this in the context of what happened in 2018, which is perfectly fair. Vikings had drafted Daniel Carlson that year, fifth round pick, big leg, and uh, it did not go well. I don't know if you guys, how much of it you remember, probably plenty of it, but uh, the preseason was okay, got a little shaky, and then week two, um, he missed three field goals at Lambeau Field, including a 35-yarder that would have won the game in the closing seconds of overtime. Vikings went on to have a tie in that game. One of those years where things just never quite got going the right way. They were 8-7-1. and one. It was Kirk Cousins' first year. All sorts of discord with the offensive coordinator, things like that. But the kicking game was a little bit of a mess that year, and it's been a little bit of a mess kind of in years where the Vikings have struggled and so now they're, they're, they're at least the competition right now is Patterson and Joseph, you know, two guys who seem like they have the right attitude about it. Patterson, uh, you know, was asked about it by Mark um, saying, yeah, I heard about the Daniel Carlson thing. Job security is tough for a kicker in this league, stuff like that. And he, I think he had a really good quote at the end of the story, too. Um, I'm going to read from Mark's story. He said uh, a couple things. He said, one, it's very scary if you let yourself sit around thinking about job security as a rookie. I just got out of college. I need a job, but you just got to be present. Be where your feet are. And Mark asked him if you know about Carlson and what happened. Is that to give him hesitation to sign with the Vikings? He said, no, I haven't talked to Coach Zimmer too much. He's got 90 other guys he's focusing on as a specialist. I think you find your worth in how easy you are to maintain if you're a kicker, do your job quietly and do not be causing a ruckus. Now, if any kicker, any rookie undrafted kicker has the potential to get Mike Zimmer's uh, attention and fall into the right category with him, it's someone with that attitude. So we will see. We'll see if this competition truly plays out or if they, you know, get a little bit of cold feet towards the end of the preseason, watch for cutdowns, see if, you know, another team decides to go with a rookie and they decide to go with a more established kicker. I don't know. I don't. All I know is 2018, there was a lot on the line, right? They were coming off an NFC title game, NFC championship game appearance, um, a loss in that game. They had cut Kai Forbath, who had kicked pretty well in 2017, let's be honest, who had, he had done a, a nice job. Um, they, went, they went in pursuit of even better. They cut Carlson. Dan Bailey was sitting there on the street. Everybody, by the way, here's the revisionist history about this. Everybody, almost everybody at least at the time, said that was the right move to make. I believe I said that was right. It was, it was so obvious, right? Dan Bailey was like a top 10 most accurate kicker. He was sitting there because he'd been, you know, had an off year in 2017 with, with Dallas, had been injured, but all accounts where he was fully healthy. He kicked okay the rest of that year. I wouldn't say the, the year was his fault. Kicked really well in 2019, then had his struggles last season. But the point being, uh, at the time, everybody said, yeah, that's the right move to make. There's so much at stake this season. And of course, it backfired on him. Carlson goes... You know, goes on and kicks great with uh with with the Raiders and is now you know, looking like he's going to have a long term, long career with them, and that's you know, why they're still in the market for another kicker. But whether they do that again this year and stick with one of these guys, or whether they get cold feet and say, you know what, no, too much on the line this season. You know, jobs at stake, perhaps Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman trying to avoid missing the playoffs for the second year in a row, which hasn't happened in the Zimmer era. Starting to wonder if. Their tenures are coming to an end. Can they trust that to unknown guys, or will they kind of dip into the market at some point and say, you know what, we got to have someone more experienced? I will be curious to see how that plays out. I think Patterson has the right attitude at this point, though, so we will see how he kicks once the brighter lights come on. 
Good piece from Lavelle Enil III as well over the weekend. He was in Houston covering the Twins series. By the way, Twins won three of four uh, against the Astros, a series that I thought had the potential to be a disaster. Actually turns out really well for the Twins. Jorge Polanco keeps hitting well. They do enough uh, yesterday to get through a really long game um, and and make you know get a seven five win, win that series. Um, you know, piecing together the bullpen. Colomay gets the save, um, just like we all just like we all expected. He pitches a clean ninth. So good series for the Twins. Not that it matters a ton right now, but again, as they kind of pivot, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, as they kind of pivot to this new reality where they're trying to get a look at guys trying to figure out, okay, who can help us in the future? What, you know, how can we get out of this rut that, uh, you know, that we've got ourselves in this year, you know, with a lot of veterans underperforming, who can help us? And I think Lavelle had a good look at least at some of the pitchers that could be next in line. And it's very front brain right now because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, against Chicago, against the White Sox, you know, a rotation they would never have imagined at the beginning of the year. Um, Lavelle wrote at that point said Charlie Barnes expected to follow opener Bo Burrows against Lucas Giolito on Monday, then Griffin Jacks pitching on Tuesday and Bailey Ober on Wednesday. Three young guys getting a shot to uh, to kind of see uh, what what can they do. And you know, again, this is a uh, a 22 combined appearances for Barnes, Jacks, and Ober. The the Chicago starters they're going to face have over 600 career appearances. Uh, one of them, uh, Lance Lynn, by the way, uh, who's an you know, old friend here and uh, has pitched really well since not being in Minnesota anymore. Um, you know, no Jose Barrios in the in the rotation anymore after the trade. Same with Jay Happ after he was traded to the Cardinals. Matt Shoemaker was demoted. He was later released. Um, you know, Happ and Shoemaker, big disappointments this year. Barrios, the opposite, right? Traded because he was having a successful year and uh, and everybody else was having a poor year, so it was time to. Uh, Time to see what they could get back. Lavelle mentions a few names, and I think he's brought these up on the show before as well. But Josh Winder, candidate to maybe get a look later, although he's been shut down for a couple weeks. Joan Duran and Jordan Balazovic could uh, could have uh, late debuts too, but those guys have also had some some problems with uh, with with different injuries this season. One guy I'm looking forward to maybe getting a look at is Joe Ryan. Um, I've been intrigued by him ever since the Nelson Cruz trade a couple weeks ago. He was over in Tokyo for the Olympics with Team USA. Pitched pretty well there. Team USA won a silver medal. Um, he's heading he- heading towards the Twin Cities. Unclear, you know, whether he'll report directly to St. Paul or if he'll come here. I wouldn't be surprised though if he gets a look in the in the Twin Cities pretty soon and gets a look at uh, you know who can can he be a piece that's possible next season to uh, to help them a little bit as uh, as well. Another guy I'm kind of curious about, he was be more of a back end of the rotation kind of guy, but John Gant, I wrote about him the other day, pitcher they got in the J-Hap trade. He's got a career IRA under four, doesn't light up the radar gun, doesn't, you know, he pitches in and out of a lot of jams. It wouldn't be the kind of guy that you would be, you know, He's not pleasing to the eye test, I guess I would say. He he walks way too many hitters. He's kind of a, he nibbles a little bit too much. But he doesn't he misses he misses the fat part of the bat more often than not, and that's how he survives. And that's the kind of guy where having him on the roster and he's under team control next season if they want to tender him. Uh, that's that's the kind of guy that could help or could at least you know give them some innings down the stretch this season as well. You know they got obviously got some more highly touted prospects in in some of those other deals that that could help 
eventually. But I'd say Joe Ryan, uh, plus the guys that are already here, maybe Winder if he gets healthy, and possibly Gant, not a prospect, but possibly Gant as a as a guy who they could stretch out and want to see a little bit more of in the last couple months here. So rotation totally remade from where it was at the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, maybe not a bad thing considering how, how poorly they had pitched. Um, you know, Kenta Maeda starting to come, come around a little bit more. He was okay against Houston. You want to see him kind of anchoring the rotation, but, uh, you know, of of the new guys, of the younger guys who could help, uh, that there are at least some that you can imagine, you know, being more immediate contributors than others. Now on offense, there's some other candidates on offense as well. We've probably seen most of them already because that was where more of the immediate injury need, especially in the outfield, came this season. So you've seen Kirilov, who's now done for the year now. Larnick has gotten an extended, extended run. You saw a lot of Nick Gordon this year too. One guy that we've had uh, a lot of conversation about on this show that I hope gets a look this season, even though you know he's started the year. Um, you know, he's he's very young still. He's been kind of working his way up. Jose Miranda, he's been hitting the ball really well for the Saints in St. Paul. If he keeps that up, if he can kind of have another good stretch here, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at least among the September call-ups, see what he can do as well. So no guarantee any of these guys pan out long-term. That's the hard part about prospects, right? You get a lot of these young guys back in trades. You get all excited about him. You're like, yeah, yeah, these guys are going to be, everything's going to work out great. You don't know that. You never know once they get here what what the prospects, what the what the prognosis is going to be. But at least they have some things they can look at now and, and maybe get a, a, an advanced look at 2022 going forward and see what they have to work with. And I should point out, too, that Jose Miranda could get a look sooner rather than later if, if Josh Donaldson has to go on the uh, the injured list. He was back for a little bit, had missed a bunch of games after the trade deadline with that uh, hamstring issue, but he's missed two in a row again. Once that happens, once you've missed, he's missed like, I feel like, a, you know, almost all, at least almost all of the starts since the uh, since the trade deadline and a little bit before that. And once, once that happens, it's probably good to just shut him down and then, you know, who, who comes up in his place would be an interesting question. But, uh, you know, a tough, tough injury situation with Josh Donaldson. We'll see how that plays out as well. I want to mention at this point some interesting TV numbers that were reported by Forbes uh, a few days ago. Saw these. I think it was Thursday night that this came out. Um, I hope to get into more context with this later on in the week, so I don't want to spoil too much of it, but just some pretty stark TV ratings numbers for the Twins. Um, when you look at it, the average average household viewers for their games uh, in uh, in 2019 was 108,000 on uh, what was then Fox Sports North, down to 92,000 last season, but still pretty good, especially relative to the rest of the league. This year, down to 48,000 viewers, almost 49,000 viewers per game. Now, you can draw a lot of different conclusions from this. Again, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more for for some better context for a show later in the week, but... uh, you know the raw numbers right now saying their TV viewership has declined by more than half since the 2019 season. Now the logical first thing you look at is they're not any good this year. Uh, people have tuned out because um, you know 2019 it was the Bomba Squad. Everybody was excited. Even last season, the only way you could watch was on TV, and it was still a good team. It was the AL Central champion team, even if it was you know just a you know a half you know 60 game season. 
it's not surprising that TV viewership was still strong last season. Even if our you know attention was divided last season, I found myself gravitating toward that when I needed a break from the relentlessness of COVID talk. And if you couldn't go to a ball game, at least you could watch on TV. Now this season, you've got in-game attendance options. You've got things more open this summer to do a lot of other different things, maybe not sitting in front of your TV. And the Twins aren't very good. The last piece of it, though, is... And they, this this wasn't just about the Twins. This was about baseball-wide. A lot of the teams that are struggling with TV ratings right now are those carried by what used to be Fox Sports North, now Bally Sports North. And I do wonder if a piece of that is because of carriage fees and carriage things that have taken on uh, a life of their own with uh, with some of these streaming services where up until the end of last baseball season... You can see the Twins on YouTube TV. You can see the Twins on Hulu. That's not the case anymore. Those agreements stopped at the end of last baseball season, essentially, and have not resumed. And how much of that, you know, being that a lot of the Bally's channels are down this year compared to last year, where some of the other channels are up, the, the, the non-Bally's channels that are on these other regional carriers, they're up this year collectively. I wonder how much of an impact there is there as well. Again, I want to dig into that a little bit more. Don't want to I don't want to spoil this story too much because I think there's more interesting things to to get into with that. But I saw that. That caught my eye the other day, and that's not great news for the Twins, obviously. When your TV numbers are down by more than half, that's going to impact you know future negotiations. That's impacting. It's kind of telling you where your brand is. And look, teams are going to have ups and downs. I think the, pri- the primary factor in this is almost certainly the performance on the field, right? I, I haven't watched as many Twins games this season as I did Last year or two years ago, they're just not as interesting when they're losing, when the losses pile up in a way that's been pretty familiar. People tune out. It's just it's human nature. Um, but definitely interesting to, to to keep that, to monitor that. I want to dig into that a little bit more as the week goes on. Let's finish with the cooler. Some good news. Minnesota United has not lost very often lately. They started the year poorly. We kind of wondered, can they turn this thing around? Our last 13 games, they've only lost once. Seven wins, one loss, five draws. That includes a 2-0 win over Houston at Allianz Field on Saturday. Robin Ludd, who's been having a great run. Um, I think he's had a point, either goal or assist, in his last five games now. Had the uh, had the opener in that game. Uh, Brent Coleman clinched it later on. But, uh, you know, just, just some solid work by the loons lately to kind of get to get their you know, kind, of, kind of get their season back on track we were all worried about you know what, what what's the season going to look like when they started the year with with those four consecutive losses and I had Adrian Heath on the show <clears throat> around that time and he said you know don't worry we kind of got some new guys in we're kind of acclimating everything right now if we keep playing the way we've been playing lately the results will come and it's easier said than done, right? When you're losing, when you're not having the results you want. And I think at that point, <clears throat> when I talked to Adrian, they had at least won one or two and had kind of gotten back back into the mix a little bit more. But, um, you know, when you, it's easier said than done at that point. When you're, when you're talking, you feel like you're talking yourself into it when you have a bad start after, you know, big expectations in the offseason. This is a team that, you know, like we've talked about on this show before, Got really close to the MLS Cup final. Maybe was you know a little bit of depth short of that. Ran out of gas against Seattle. Couldn't you know persevere even after taking a two nothing lead in that uh, you know in that game to get to the MLS Cup final. Um, but you know now they they kind of do seem like they've found that footing so to speak. Um, they you know they 
They've they've put together a bunch of solid performances. You know, maybe they had some draws they weren't happy with, where you know they they gave up a late goal. They've had some draws they were more pleased with, where they they scored late, kind of rescued a point, things like that. But you know, when you keep stacking up points, when you keep stacking up results at least, and not walking away from matches empty-handed, uh, that's that's going to show up at, at at the end of the season. And you know, uh, that's. You know that that's kind of what they're kind of what they're doing right now. From you know from the basement essentially of the standings standings at the very early part of the season, and now fifth in the West. You know pretty solidly in fifth. Um, you know a chance to move into a uh, you know a more you know a top four position that would get them a, a playoff the uh, home playoff game things like that, which would mean a lot this year with fans back in the stands. And you know Seattle's fallen off a little bit since uh, since the start of the season. The sporting KC is looking pretty strong, but there's not maybe that one dominant team in the West right now. And the Loons, you know, who have now, you know, squared their record and then some at seven five and five overall with this seven one and five stretch. Um, they're going to be right there in the mix, especially with the way they're playing, with the way they're performing. Um, so, you know, kudos to uh, kudos to Adrian Heath, I guess, and their players. But you know, someone who's taken plenty of heat. From fans, from media, uh, for, you know, for the way they started this season, for some of the decisions he's made, for some of his substitution patterns, things like that. At least right now, in these, you know, in this last, you know, thirteen match stretch, he's been vindicated to a certain degree. He's he's shown that they, you know, that they are that they are capable, that they have a roster that can get this done, and uh, and they're getting it done right now. So good for them. Good for uh, folks. Good for those of you who. You know, like to have some positive news outside of the Olympics, and we talked about that at the beginning. But you know, the Olymp- the Olympics have been obviously the the far and away the biggest bright spot in Minnesota sports lately. You know, we've been suffering through this summer where the Twins have played so poorly. Um, you know, Lynx were doing really well be- before the break, so that's another good story. But they've been kind of out of the public consciousness a little bit now during this Olympic break. You know, Vikings, all sorts of you know off-field stories right now to to capture our attention. Gophers haven't hit the field yet, although there's some optimism there. The Loons really are the ones that have been kind of constant in keeping this uh, this good play on the field going. So kudos to them, and we'll see how much they can carry that forward at the rest of the year. That'll do it for today. Thanks so much for joining me here on Daily Delivery as I took you through a spin through the weekend and a lot of the biggest stories that I've been having my eye on. I'm sure we'll have plenty of talk as the week goes on. Like I said, I want to dive a little bit more into those Twins TV numbers. Um, I want to talk a little bit more Vikings as the week goes on as well because their first preseason game, you guys, is less than a week away. It is Saturday. So plenty to get to as the week goes on. I'm Michael Rand. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again on Tuesday.